كوكب شينشو بلانيتس سيارة بيانيتا سيارة بلانيتس بلانيت موندوس the word in Aarhus Hello and welcome to Radio Planet Mundus, made by internationals for internationals. My name is Elsa and myself and Hannah will be your hosts for today's show. Hi Hannah. Hi Elsa. Yes, we've got a very interesting show lined up this evening. We're going to be talking about some events happening around Aarhus, as well as speaking a little about the pre-Danish Christmas traditions that we've seen coming up around this student city of ours. Yes, and then we'll move on to our main topic for the day, recent happenings in the Kurt Strait. We'll be speaking to two guests in the studio about that. But for now, we have some brief news from around the world after this song. Welcome back. That was a little less conversation by Elvis Presley. So Elsa, what's been happening this week in Aarhus? Well, it's been an interesting week around the world in international news. Uh, we'll talk about the news that's happened in Aarhus a little bit later. Um, first, we'll talk about news that's happened around the world. And I asked some of our international students to tell us about the news happening back home. On Monday, American border officials threw tear gas at people trying to cross the border from Mexico to the US. Those affected by the gas included children. Also on Monday, a protest in Estonia over the UN Compact on Migration got out of hand. The protest turned violent when MEP Indrek Taran tried to speak to the crowd and was repeatedly kicked by anti-migration protesters. We spoke to one of our fellow students from Greece who told us that a beloved drag queen and LGBT activist was violently beaten to death, a coroner's report revealed. The report was le- released this week and found that Zach Kostopoulos was attacked while leaving a jewellery store in late September. From another of our students, we heard that in Uganda, Lake Victoria had witnessed another tragic boat disaster. A cruise boat carrying 100 people had capsized and at least 30 people were confirmed dead. So unfortunately, Hannah, not much good news to report this week. Yeah, we have some pretty sobering news this week. Well, let's continue with our show. But now, let's have a song. Planet Mundus, the word in Aarhus. Well, that was Begging from Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. One of those songs you never get tired of, right? Well, maybe not. Um, but now it's time for our regular segment, Exploring Danish Life. This week, Hannah wanted to find out about Danish traditions surrounding the lead-up to Christmas in late November and early December. She spoke to Rasmus, a Danish student, about his experience of Christmas around this time of year. Let's hear what he had to say. Hannah? Hey, guys. Today we have a Danish friend, Rasmus, joining us to talk about Yulebor. Okay, I hope that sounds right. Yulebor? Yulebor. The pre-Christmas traditions in Denmark, basically. So, Rasmus, where are you from in Denmark? I'm from southern Denmark. And how did you spend your pre-Christmas days there? How I spent them there? Well, I think mostly the same way that people spend them in the rest of Denmark. At some point in the beginning of December, we would decorate the house with Christmas ornaments and whatever. And the four Sundays before Christmas, we would light candles, maybe have Christmas treats. And within the week before Christmas we'd get a tree and decorate it on the day of Christmas Eve. Uh, sausages, meatballs, pickled red cabbage, yeah, there are a lot of things. And in within the different families people usually have very strong opinions about what should be on the Yule Boar. And we'll drink a lot, get very drunk usually. It's like the one time of year except for New Year when everyone will get drunk, that's for the Christmas dinners. 
grown-ups and parents and everyone will get drunk for, for the Christmas dinners. So that's fun. So these are the dinners on Christmas or before Christmas? Uh, sometimes they're before Christmas, sometimes they're after Christmas. Not for Christmas Eve. People usually don't get drunk for Christmas Eve. At least not in my family. We, no one would. Um, but the Christmas dinners could be in November or in December. Or some people hold them in start January as well. You even have them in January? Yeah, I think some people do, but it's probably most common to have it in before Christmas or in like the week after Christmas Eve. Okay. So what are the main Christmas activities here? Is going and getting a tree one of the main highlights or making the decorations? Is it Yeah, going getting going to get the tree is definitely something that all of the children are looking forward to every year. But decorations as well and if you're growing up you have to do Christmas shopping, shopping gifts and whatever, that's probably not so exciting but have to do and obviously Christmas Eve is the is the big event that all of this is leading up to. Yeah on the 13th of December there's like it's Santa Lucia and people will usually do they'll dress up and walk around with candles and sing the Santa Lucia song. And people do that everywhere I think it's also you can see it in the television if you turn on the television on the 13th you'll definitely see someone in white clothes walking around singing Santa Lucia. Singing Santa Lucia? Yeah. Can you sing it for us a little bit? <laughs> How does it go? No bell, from Stolpe, Something among those lines. Most people here, I don't think, care too much about the, the mythological end of things like the Christianity and Jesus or whatever. We just like, we just like Christmas. We just like to eat lots of food and treats and get drunk. And, and be with our families for Christmas. That's what it's about for most of us, I think. Yeah. Family food sounds about right. Sounds like Christmas. Yeah. So thank you, Rasmus, for joining us. Have a great Christmas. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Wow, thanks, Hannah. It was great to hear from Rasmus about the run-up to Christmas in Denmark, wasn't it? Now we're going to have another song, and this time we'll make it a Christmas one, shall we? This is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas from Judy Garland. Planet Mundus, the word in Aarhus. Wow, I can't believe we're playing Christmas music so early. Do you think it was too early, Hannah? Maybe a little. Maybe, maybe just a little bit. Anyway, we'll move on from Christmas now, and we're going to speak to some of the Munda students about the podcast shows we can expect from them this week. That's right. Here in the show, we have Juliet to talk about this new upcoming Slow News podcast. Hello, Juliet. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. So, Julia, tell us a little bit about the podcast that's coming up this week. Yeah, so we are seven passionate journalists willing to give an alternative to mainstream media. Uh, why? Because we live in a world where journalists feel pressure to be the first to release a story. Um, they don't have much time to go in depth. And you can feel the consequences on news consumers. Very often they are overwhelmed with the, flu- with the flow of information. So in our podcast, we decide to give time to both the reporters and to the audience to investigate on news, to uh, try to give new perspectives, to go in depth, and to also tell untold stories. 
so if you want to know more about the about slow media, slow journalism, you can already listen to our first podcast dedicated to uh, to explaining uh, the concept. And in our new show, uh, which will be online by Friday noon, we focus on some national crisis in Latin America. Uh, so we have the chance to talk to people from there who are currently studying or working in Denmark, but also locals who support internationals. So we will talk about personal experiences and difficulties, but also about possibilities to act while being abroad. And we will hopefully give some hope to change something, no matter where you are. So please make sure to follow Planet Mundus and the Slow News podcast on social media. Thank you, Juliet. Let's follow that up with the song, shall we, Elsa? Sounds like a good idea to me. Planet Mundus, the word in Aarhus. Hello again, this is Planet Mundus, the radio show by internationals for internationals. This is Elsa, and I'm your host for today with Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Elsa. This week, we've been talking about news around the world, as well as the Christmas traditions in Denmark in the run-up to Christmas, late November and December. We heard from Danish student Rasmus, who told us a little bit about those traditions, and we've also heard from Munda student Juliet about the podcast Slow News. We'll also be hearing from Munda students Yulia and Diana about recent events involving Ukraine and Russia. That's all to come in a few minutes. But first, let's have another song. Yes, let's listen to Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine. Enjoy. Planet Mundus, the word in Aarhus. Now we've come to the main part of our show, and the open topic for today is the Ukraine-Russia Kurtz race issue, what Ukraine calls a Russian act of aggression, while Russia says it's all because Ukraine's ships illegally entered its waters. Let's take a quick look at what exactly happened between Russia and Ukraine on Sunday. Russia seized three Ukrainian Navy vessels and their crew, that is 23 crew members in Kerch Strait, a channel that separates the Sea of Azov and the Black Sea to the south of Ukraine and Russia. While at the same time, Russia accused Ukraine of illegally entering its territorial waters. And because of this, they scrambled fighter jets and helicopters as the Ukrainian vessels approached a bridge over the infamous Kerch Strait. So this bridge in Kerch Strait is the waterway between mainland Russia and Crimea and the only access into the Sea of Azov. And at At this time, it's been blocked by a tanker by Russia. Ukraine said its vessels had been fired on and seized by the Russians and said six Ukrainian crew members were injured, while Russia later confirmed that it used the weapons and the force on Ukrainian vessels and said three Ukrainians were injured. Uh, Well, after this incident, the situation quickly escalated in the last two days. Ukraine's president has declared martial law in certain parts of the country, especially the areas that border Russia. And Russia's Vladimir Putin has expressed serious concern over this move and asked, even asked Chancellor Angela Merkel if she could intervene. Okay, enough of the introduction. Now I'm going to hand it over to our guests to go into the details. So we have Yulia Mishna from Ukraine and Diana Yunosova from Russia in the studio today to discuss this topic. Yulia, can you tell us a little bit more about the situation first? Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, of course, I can tell you more. <laughs> um, first of all, I need to say that Ukraine perceives this situation as the first open and unmasked act of aggression against Ukraine uh, made by Russia. Because before that, since the... Uh, conflict started in 2014, uh, this 
act, uh, these actions, they are for the first time official, I would say. Because before that, Russian Federation denied all, all the presence in the eastern Ukraine and denied the presence of uh, the military forces while annexing Crimea. And now it's official, so it's... Uh, Russian um, soldiers against other uh, our soldiers. Okay, so it's unprecedented then. Yeah, and okay. that is why uh, our government and our president decided to react this time, mm-hmm. and they and they adopted the martial law, as you as Hannah said, uh, in the regions that are bordering Russia, okay. but not only uh, in these regions. Also, it's adopted in in the parts of Ukraine that have access to the sea, uh, both Azov and both. And, and Black Sea, and okay. also um, there is one region that has common border with Transnistrian Republic, unrecognized republic, which is part of Moldova, but where Russian military forces are located as well. So ah, okay, yeah. So that's a that's a bit of an issue. Can you tell us a little bit more about that martial law and what that actually involves in Ukraine? Mm, yeah, it will uh, it will last for one month mm-hmm. uh, since yesterday. And um, initially, president um, suggested to adopt this law for two months, but now after negotiations with the parliament, they decided to reduce this period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it will not change that much for uh, ordinary people, for the ordinary citizens, only in case of the official and broad invasion of troops. So right now, uh, what uh, what will be different is that all the local, um, I say, all the local guards would yeah. be would have this alarm alarm regime for mm-hmm. for the next month, and uh, yeah, and in case of the invasion, uh, I guess <laughs> uh, other like. Other rules of the martial law will be uh, will be used, as for example, the control over um, over informational channels uh, in these regions, uh, restriction of uh, human rights, uh, like like the constitutional rights, but okay. just as, like, just uh, some of them. But now everything is okay. Uh, nothing is happening, and nothing changed for the ordinary citizens. Uh, Ukrainian government uh, appealed to the international community and they asked our partners, our allies around the world to at least to condemn this action and to do something to impose n- the new round of sanctions against Russia. And also we, request, we requested the meeting at the UN Security Council, which took place uh, two days ago. Okay. And uh, yeah, and... And we are negotiated with other partners in order to prevent the escalation of this conflict. And still, Ukrainian government doesn't have any connection uh, with the guys that were captured with these soldiers. Okay, so, so the government hasn't heard from these soldiers uh, since the incident? Yeah, like directly from them, no. Only um, they contacted the local advocates Okay. And uh, the local lawyers, mm-hmm. and they are trying to establish the connection. They are trying to, uh, to, um, how to say to, uh, to join this deal and to join this process because, as far as I understand, uh, the Russian local uh, 
government, like uh, Russian local representatives, they started the court against against the the Ukrainian soldiers. Oh, okay. So it's a tense situation, yeah. in yes, other words. Yes, it is. Okay. And what do you see the next steps as being? Do we just have to wait and, and see what the outcome of this negotiation is? Well, uh, Ukraine is defending in this case. And uh, as our government uh, declares, we're not going to attack. We're just defending ourselves. And our main tool of uh, solving this issue is diplomatic tool. Okay. So that's why we are negotiating in uh, within the framework of the UN and UN Security Council, as well as we are trying to negotiate with within other formats. As for example, we used to have this Minsk format, which uh, involved uh, Ukraine, Russian Federation, France, and Germany. Okay. That was very interesting insight. Thank you so much, Yulia. We're now going to turn to Diana, who's also in the studio with us today. Uh, Diana is from Russia, and we're hoping she can give us a little bit more insight on this. Hi, Diana. Hi. Good evening, everyone. Uh, so, you know, uh, I always uh, like to see their, uh, the background and uh, the international law, what it says. So to tr- I'm trying to understand why Russia took uh, this uh, decision, which I uh, accept is an act of aggression towards uh, Ukraine. And I was looking into papers. Yes, papers for me matters a lot. So I found out that uh, Russia and Ukraine, they have a bilateral treaty. They signed it in 2003. According to this treaty, they agreed to share the Azov Sea and they have equal rights to share the sea uh, for uh, military ships and uh, uh, either for military ships and for commercial ships. So uh, Ukraine doesn't have... um, uh, doesn't have to ask a permission, for example, to enter. And this carriage strait, which we are talking about, Mm -hmm. is a part of uh, uh, this uh, treaty. So okay. uh, what happened? What is the position of Russia? Russia is <coughs> claiming that uh, Ukraine didn't inform uh, Russia uh, that they are going to pass. This is mm, official position of uh, Russian Federation. So uh, the position <coughs> is that the Ukraine didn't inform Russia that they were going to yes. do what, F- to go through the fo- strait? Yes. First of all, there are two different things. Uh, Ukraine doesn't uh, have to ask permission, but yes, Ukraine has to inform that her ships are going to pass through uh, this uh, uh, strait. And this is normal for uh, any country. For example, we live in Denmark now, right? And between Denmark and Sweden, there is a bridge which is called Orison Bridge, right? Yes. And uh, so, uh, and this bridge is kind of an access to uh, a Baltic Sea. So when uh, Russian or Lithuanian ships uh, want to enter the Baltic Sea, they have to cross this bridge as well. And this uh, strait is international, so it's open for any ships, uh, for any ships. And so they also have to, uh, the only thing that they have to inform that they are going to pass. They uh, have to inform Danish and Sweden authorities that uh, this ship or this state is going to pass through this bridge. And that's it. So Russia is claiming that uh, Ukrainian side 
didn't inform that this ship is going to pass. And Ukrainian side, as, I, as far as I know, they said that, yes, they informed. Ah, okay. uh, and uh, it's uh, really, uh, in my opinion, it's really difficult to not to notice a mi- big military ship because the right. trade is really, really narrow. So it's kind of obvious not to see it. So... I'm not sure who is right in the decision. I, I hope that they should have some data or I don't know how they are communicating some maybe uh, like telephone talks or they are sending, well, not fax, but some, I'm not sure if there is emails or some, okay. you know, I'm, s- I'm not sure signals. how Russia and Ukraine are communicating <laughs> either, but we'll assume that it's it's some way. Okay. Yes, it, it, for me, it's like a tricky. I think it, it's really obvious because the trade is, is really narrow. So you have to, to see that a military ship is coming. So okay. Okay. Right. So for you, it's obvious. Um, Yulia, what would you say for to, to that? Is it as obvious as, as Diana presents it in your view? Uh, partially, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, indeed, uh, the relationships between Ukraine and Russian Federation on the Azov Sea and Kerch Strait is regulated by this law on Azov Sea, which was uh, signed in 2003. So 15 years ago. Okay. At, th- at those time, uh, Crimea was de facto and the Euro Ukrainian. And in fact, when um, and Kerch Strait yes. was uh, was free for uh, navigating for uh, f- was free for navigating both for Russian Federation and Ukraine. Okay. And uh, in fact, that meant that uh, each of the parties had just to inform another one that their military ships are going to pass through the strait. Okay. Just well, it's like uh, it's like the law of the international regulations. It's okay to do this. But uh this time as Diana said, uh the thoughts and the positions are different because Ukrainians say that say that they informed Russian yeah. uh, Russian guard Okay. And Russian Guard denies it. And okay. in fact, yeah, and in fact, uh we are talking about Crimea breach and that Russian uh, tanker right now is uh, preventing other ships to pass through the strait. Okay. Well, Crimean bridge was finished this year, I suppose. Yes, it was inaugurated in the March of 2018, yes. right before the presidential elections yeah. in Russia, oh, of which was quite symbolic. <laughs> well, ev- I think everything in Russia is quite symbolic. Yeah. Okay, and so the bridge was inaugurated this year. Yes, yeah. And in fact, it didn't exist uh, at the time when this treaty was signed. Okay, and so it's a whole new yeah, issue that doesn't yeah. covered by this but treaty. But I need to say that even, uh, even we presume that uh, these territory uh, is controlled de facto by Russian Federation, still Kerch Strait is the um, how say, by, by international law it's recognized as international so Ukrainian uh, ships have all the rights to pass through it. Okay. And one more thing I think the, <laughs> the base like the most basic one, the most fundamental one is that uh, this uh, territory that uh, Russians claim to be there and that uh, Ukrainian invited their uh, territory, in fact, according to the international law, is Ukrainian. Because okay. in, 2014, right. in 2014, this territory was illegally annexed. And according to the inter- international law, according to um, to the, I guess it's called international law on navigating, 
Okay. This territory belongs to Ukraine. Right. Still. Okay. I think we'll go into that a little bit more just after this quick break for a song, and then we'll come back to this topic. Planet Mundus, the word in Aarhus. In the studio, in conversation with Yulia Mishana from Ukraine and Diana Yunusova from Russia about the recent Russia-Ukraine tussle. Yes, we've been having a very interesting discussion so far. Thank you so much for joining us here, Yulia and Diana. Now, we're just going to go back to Diana and ask a little bit about this situation. So we've spoken about what's going on, but we all know that there's a very outspoken figure among all this, and that is President Putin. So so what has President Putin been saying about this? Well, uh, Vladimir Putin... Uh insists that Russia's military response was appropriate as the Ukrainians had trespassed into Russia's territorial waters. Uh, so, and he also is, uh, he also said that uh, it's kind of a, a provocation for Ukrainian side. And uh, uh, he thinks that uh, 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 Ukraine's leader, uh, Pyotr Poroshenko, he's trying to boost his ratings ahead of elections, presidential elections, uh, which are going to be held in, in, Mar- in March. I Yulia, guess. do you know that? In March, in 2018. 31st of March. The 31st of March, Next the year. elections. Okay, and Yulia, what do, you, what do you say to that? Do you think that's true, what he's saying, that, that the president is just trying to push his own agenda? Well, that that's obviously not true, because okay. uh, the date of the elections is fixed. It uh, it was planned that that it would uh, take place on the 31st of March 2018, and the date is still there. So they didn't change anything, and the martial law ends uh, a couple of days before the start of the election of the pre-election campaign. Okay, so, so the elections are in March 2019. Just to confirm. Yeah, 2019. Right? Okay, so yeah, 2019. yeah. And the uh, pre-election campaign starts uh, on 31st of December this year, okay. like <laughs> New Year's Eve, and uh, yeah, and martial law doesn't change anything. So uh, inside, like in Ukraine, we also were th- like we also had such thoughts. But in fact, they um, they uh, didn't. Uh, they were not that right, because uh, eventually uh, the law is adopted right now, and martial law will end on twenty sixth, I guess, or twenty seventh of December okay. before the election campaign starts. Okay, so you don't think, or the feeling is not uh, in Ukraine that this was just a ploy to to push the the agenda for the elections. Well, I don't think so, but we will see, of course. Right now, the most important thing for uh, all the Ukrainians is to keep our country safe. Okay. That is what, what are we doing right now, what we are trying to do. And, of course, um, I need to say that we are not only fighting on the field or in the sea, we are also fighting in the informa- information space, and we need to contradict the Russian propaganda. That's why it's very important to be together. That's why it is important to trust in our government and uh, to trust in the people that rule our country, because sometimes we need just to be united for uh, for some time. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so we've spoken a bit about the Russian propaganda. Diana, is that, is that a feeling that you're concerned about, that there is propaganda coming from the Russian government? Yes, definitely. (laughs) There is no doubt about it. Okay. And in relation to this conflict, are you concerned that some of the information that we've been getting isn't true? Or do you think that the international reports have been accurate? I, I can say, uh, okay. yeah, as, as Diana already mentioned that, and as Hannah already mentioned, that uh, the data 
related to these particular event to to these particular events is different in Russia and in Ukraine because for example FSB like Russian security service uh, that was responsible for capturing Ukrainian uh, ships they say that there were only three people injured Ukrainian authorities say that there were six people injured also the numbers uh, concerning the mm, uh, like the total amount of people that were captured also different and uh, you see like the the basic the core information is represented in different ways and also as uh, diana mentioned they say that it's it's all about poroshenko it's all about the elections it's all about ukrainian internal problems but uh, what i can say is that um, you know my country is at war since 2014 and we are used to such things so we uh, like all we all we can do is just to spread the truth or at least to contradict the fakes. Okay, so spreading truth and contradicting the fakes. Diana, do you have any other th- thing to add that we need to do now apart from just sit and wait and see how this situation develops? Yes, we uh I think uh, uh well I know that uh Ukrainian sailors are now testifying in Russia so probably we will get information uh and get the whole picture from those uh from their words let's say but they are testifying in Crimea they testifying well they testifying <laughs> in, in, in Crimea so I hope we will will have access to the whole information complete information not edited absolutely don't we all Yes, yes, that's it. And yeah, and, and Russia just is playing this card uh, all about Poroshenko, about, all about elections from one side and from other side. They uh, this I don't know. In this case, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, we have to maybe look a little bit deeper about this. Uh, they also play this card that um, since this uh, breach which unites Crimea and Russia, uh, there are a lot of uh, threats towards this bridge, that they are going to explode this bridge. So they are saying that it's, it's dangerous to let all yeah, international ships pass through this strait and Russians are trying to, uh, like, um, I don't know, to search better to kind of test all, all ships. Uh, so, but this, I, I don't know if they have some uh, grounds if they have some grouse, but they, if they're basing some on something, uh, if, if it, whether it's true or not. Okay, so we're still not sure. Uh, very, very quick last word, Yulia, yeah, and, and we will have to finish what up. I, what I really need to say is that the involvement of the international community is very important because, okay. uh, you know, Europe and the West, like, and all the other powerful countries, they cannot just uh, stay away from this situation because it... It is about all of us. And, uh, well, you when you have military conflicts, it's not okay. And we need to solve these conflicts altogether. Absolutely. Thank and you. And what I can just add that, yes, what did Russia, it can be considered as a crime. Okay. Thank you very much, Diana and Yulia, for being here with us Thank today. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for inviting. Okay, we have one last song to, to finish up, and we'll be back with you in a few minutes. This is God's Gonna Cut You Down by Johnny Cash. Planet Mundus, the word in Aarhus. Welcome back to Planet Mundus. And as our final segment on the show this evening, we're going to talk about events coming up in Aarhus this week. So, Hannah, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on this week? 
Sure, okay. So this is going to be really brief because we have so many things coming up in our house all the time. But now, looks like Christmas is setting in, starting with Den Gamlebu, which has been decorated in full glory for Christmas this year. And on the 16th of December, they seem to have an event. So head over if you want some nice mulled wine and fresh Danish pancakes. And so Christmas markets have opened up in and around Aarhus, including one specifically in Raide Jose with 85 different stands. And this is going to go on till 20th December. And remember, Denmark is one of the best places to celebrate Christmas in. So don't forget to check to check those markets out. Yeah, that exactly. sounds really great, Hannah. Thank, Thank you, you, Elsa. Yeah, so, and more exciting news for the university students. The end of the semester ball will take place on Saturday, December the 8th at 11.30 p.m. And, yep, yeah, this marks the end of our first semester. Exciting, isn't it? But uh, the tickets are still available online. They're running out soon. And one last thing, there's a second-hand bazaar at Student Ahus, Saturday the, the 1st of December. Okay, sounds like a good opportunity to pick up some new clothes for good prices. Well, I think, unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. Um, But just to say thank you very much for listening, everybody, and to let you know that we have a Spotify playlist um, under Planet Mundus. If you search for it on Spotify, you'll find all of the songs that we were listening to for this show. And if you're just tuning in and you miss the whole of the show, then that's a real shame for you. But you can pick it up online um, on our account on SoundCloud. And make sure to tune in this time next week to listen to another great Planet Mundus show. So all that's left is to say thanks, Hannah, for co-hosting. It was a great show. Yes, thank you, Elsa. That was a lot of fun. And thank you to all our guests as well. Absolutely. And we'll see you next week for another show of Planet Mundus. Planeta. Kaukab. Shinchio. Planet. Sayara. Planeta. Sayara. Planet. Planet Mundus. The word in Aarhus.